Philippians chapter 3, verses 4 through 9. You can find it in your Pew Bible on page 1828. Philippians 3, verses 4 through 9. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. These are the saving words of God. May they produce a righteousness that comes from God and is by faith in everyone who hears them. Well, I asked the children what their favorite toy was So now I need to ask the rest of you, except for Ted. What is the most important thing in your life? What do you hold most dear? Is it your money? Is it some type of possession? How about your reputation? Or better yet, is it a person? Someone close to you? like a spouse, or a child, or a parent. Now let me ask you another question. Would you give that thing up, whatever or whomever it is, to know Christ Jesus? Would you be willing to sacrifice your money, or your power, or your possessions, yes, even your relationships, For that one relationship with Jesus. How much is knowing Christ worth to you? If you recall from my last sermon, I spoke of two religions. There are only two religions in this world. There is a religion of works, where God must be appeased through meritorious acts upon our upon our own doing. Then there is a religion of grace where the true God pours out his mercy upon sinful men. He does this through the work of his son, Jesus Christ. You see, God became man and lived the sinless life that you could not. He then offered himself up on the cross 
for your sins. The justice and the wrath of God was poured out upon him so that you might not suffer. And three days later, Jesus rose from the dead and he now sits at the right hand of the Father. And every person who repents and has faith in Jesus, both in who he is and what he has done, will receive eternal life. This is the love and grace that God has shown to you. And it is because of this message that Paul spoke out against the circumcision party. Watch out for those dogs, those men who do evil, those mutilators of the flesh. These false teachers preached a false gospel, one that focused on salvations by works instead of grace alone. Yet Paul preached the true gospel. For it is we who are the circumcision, we who worship by the Spirit of God, who glory in Christ Jesus, and who put no confidence in the flesh. Dear friends, your salvation does not depend on anything about you. In fact, salvation comes to you despite of your rebellious heart. For the flesh deceives. It wants you to believe that you are a good person and that God will accept you because you have a good heart. But the gospel says the opposite, that you were born into sin and that you are in need of rescue, a rescue that is outside of yourself. You need a Savior. You need a Christ. These dogs thought that their obedience to God's law would aid them in their salvation. Well, Paul could play their little game just as well as they could. If they wanted to compare egos, he could go toe-to-toe with them. Which leads us to our passage for today, beginning in Philippians 3, verse 4. Though I myself have reasons for such confidence, if anyone else thinks he has reasons to put confidence in the flesh, I have more. Circumcised on the eighth day, of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law, a Pharisee. As for zeal, persecuting the church. As for legalistic righteousness, faultless. To quote Dr. Albert Moeller on this passage, if you are going to put confidence in the flesh, then you better make sure you have some flesh to put confidence in. Boy, did Paul ever have some flesh. He listed off seven characteristics, four of which he was born into, and three more that were of his own effort. Let's begin with the first one. Circumcised on the eighth day. 
Paul here is making a distinction between the circumcision of a Jew and that of a Gentile Jewish convert. You see, the eighth day was a prescribed day for male babies to be circumcised. So not only was Paul obedient to the law, but his parents were as well. He was raised in a godly family. He went on to state that he was of the people of Israel. In other words, he was part of God's chosen people. Paul was not an outsider. He was not a dog. Rather, he was an insider. He was in the family. And not just in the family, but of a reputable house of the tribe of Benjamin. Even though Benjamin was the youngest of Jacob's sons, he was born of Rachel, the favored wife. Jerusalem, the city of Zion, was given to Benjamin as an inheritance. And Benjamin was the only tribe to join with Judah in making David king. Benjamin was loyal to God's will. And Paul mentioned that he was a Hebrew of Hebrews. In other words, his family never Hellenized. They never married outside the Jewish line. They never caved to the pressure that they faced when Antiochus Epiphanes tried to force the Jews to become Greeks. Paul's family was fiercely loyal to their ancestral race. Paul was born a Hebrew of Hebrews. And in regard to the law, Paul was a Pharisee. Now in today's language, that is not a positive term. People typically, they, they use this title to describe someone that is a hypocrite. Yet in Paul's day, it meant the opposite. Being a Pharisee meant that Paul spoke and read the ancient language. He would have been schooled in the Torah and in the traditions of the elders. Of all the Jewish sects of his day, the Pharisees were the most respected school of thought, for they were the ones that stayed closest to the original meaning of Scripture. And Paul studied under Gamaliel, one of the most esteemed rabbis of his time. In other words, Paul stayed true to the faith. And as for zeal, persecuting the church. We saw this in our first scripture reading from today, in Acts 9, verses 1 and 2. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the Lord's disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. Convinced that Jesus was a false Messiah, he went on the offensive. That is how zealous he was, willing to put people in prison or even sentence them to death for the honor 
of God's name. Finally, as for legalistic righteousness, faultless. There was no charge that anyone could bring against him. These Judaizers, they could check the records and see that Paul had no blemishes. If you are going to play the game of comparison, this is what it looks like. You want to talk about flesh? Well, Paul had it abundantly. Those mutilators of the flesh had nothing over Paul. Yet what does the apostle have to say about his own flesh? What does he think of his lineage and of all of his achievements? Look at verse 7. But whatever was to my profit, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Paul does admit that those things of the flesh, they do profit men. Having the right lineage will open doors for you. Doing good works, it will get you a good reputation. It will make the world around you a better place. It may even make your life easier. Having a righteousness of your own, no matter what religion you practice, can lead to profit in this life. But it is all temporal. Paul considers it all as loss for the sake of Christ. He goes further in verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them rubbish that I may gain Christ. That world of Paul's was now gone. The honor and the prestige that came from being a Hebrew of Hebrews, that was a distant memory. The privilege of being a Pharisee and the self-satisfaction that came from being zealous for God and for his commandments, all of that Paul now considers as rubbish. Rubbish isn't a strong enough word in the English here. The Greek is skubala. It means the waste that is tossed to the dogs. It is a play on words that Paul is using here. These self-righteous acts, these things of the flesh, are the garbage that dogs dig through trying to find sustenance. Those Judaizers, those of the circumcision party, they truly are dogs. They're digging through the scrap heaps of their own good deeds, trying to survive on their own merit. Yet the true feast comes in knowing Christ Jesus. In fact, Paul is emphatic on this point. Three times he calls the deeds of his flesh as a loss 
for, for knowing Jesus has now consumed him. And this isn't just an intellectual assent that Paul is describing. Listen to his words again in verse 8. What is more, I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. This is the only time in all of Paul's epistles that he uses this phrase, my Lord. He is personalizing this title. My Lord. This isn't just doctrine for him, but something precious. Knowing Jesus is an intimate bond. To trust in Jesus is not just knowing the right things to believe. That is the start of it for sure. But true faith goes deeper. Christ is both Lord and Savior. His presence demands the respect that is due a king, yet his loving kindness insists on affection being reciprocated. If you truly know Jesus and the love he has for you, then he will become your heart's desire. He will be your treasure. For Jesus is the source of true joy. He makes all else seem like refuse and waste to be tossed to the dogs. Again, from Acts, we get a glimpse of Paul's first interaction with Christ. Acts chapter 9, verse 3. As he neared Damascus on his journey, suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. So they led him by the hand into into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. As Paul was zealously following what he thought were the commandments of God, Jesus stripped him of his pride. The glory and splendor of Christ was now before him, and he was left blind and helpless. The Lord made himself known to this man, and Paul never looked back. Brothers, sisters, you can't have both worlds. If you truly know Jesus, if Christ has made himself known to you, then there is no straddling the fence. The things that were once profit to you are now a loss 
for the sake of Christ. You must forfeit the one to obtain the other. But if you truly know Jesus, then you know that it's not a fair trade at all. For knowing Jesus far surpasses any wealth that this world could offer you. Experiencing him greatly exceeds any human relationship that you could have. Living in the grace of Christ makes all the deeds of your flesh look like a dung heap. They are repulsive and abhorrent. Verse 9. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God and is by faith. The righteousness of Christ is the only road of salvation. You can look to your own good deeds, but you will come up short. You may say to yourself, I grew up in the right family. I go to church every Sunday. I give to the needy. I serve at the congregational kitchen. I am a kind person. I am a Christian of Christians. Yet if you do not know Christ, you are lost. Ask yourself, are you trusting in your own flesh or are you trusting in Jesus? Obedience to the law cannot provide true righteousness before a holy God because man is incapable of obeying. The human condition is too weak. But more than that, your flesh is hostile and rebellious towards God. This is why Christ had to come. For the law cannot be the route of salvation. Galatians 2.21 I do not set aside the grace of God. For if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. The fact that Jesus became a man, taking your sin to the cross, means that obedient, obedience to the law is impossible for fallen man. Otherwise, his death wouldn't have been necessary. True righteousness is obtained by faith and not through your own efforts. Saving righteousness can only come from God. You are born into sin and have a sinful nature that needs to be dealt with. Only Christ can take care of that for you. You need his righteousness imputed to you. Now this isn't saying that faith is the foundation of your righteousness. Grace is. Yet, faith is the means that God uses to credit his righteousness to you. 
And for that reason, Paul let go of his former life. And he clung onto Christ. This is God's call for you as well. Stop putting confidence in your flesh. No longer are you to rely on your good deeds. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you're an outstanding member of this church or that you have a good heart. For trusting in all those things keeps hidden your true need for a Savior. Instead, follow Paul's example and cling to Jesus. I consider everything a loss compared to the surpassing greatness of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. Let us pray. Father, help us to forget the works of our flesh. Aid us in knowing you and your Son and your Holy Spirit. For that is where true joy lies. All else is garbage to be tossed to the dogs. We desire the feast that is in knowing Christ Jesus. Produce faith within us so that we might have a righteousness not of our own, rather a righteousness that comes from you and is by faith. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.